This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. I am your host, Marquis Vandemark. Man, we got a big winter storm coming here in the Midwest today. Ice storm, blizzard conditions, but it's great to be alive in the great nation of America. We affirm America here at the Affirm America podcast. All patriots, all lovers of country, lovers of God, lovers of freedom. You've come to the right place, if that's what you believe. Thank you all for joining us today. If you haven't uh, subscribed to our podcast yet, you can go to affirmamerica.com, put in your email address, we'll notify you of any new up-and-coming episodes. You can also reach me at marquise at affirmamerica.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. And again, thank you very much for coming. I've got a good program here for you today. Good friend of mine. Actually worked together back about 40 years ago. Time sure has gone fast. Served in the uh, Nevada Assembly. 1996 through 98, 2010, 2016, Assembly Minority Leader in the great state of Nevada. He's a political reporter, columnist, and editor for numerous Nevada media outlets and publications. He joins us today. His name is Pat Hickey. How you doing, Pat? Fine, Marcus. Good to be with you. Yeah. How you been? I've been good. We've got a lot of snow in the Sierras, although weird uh, year that it is. We had the wettest December on record and the driest January. So go figure with what's going on in uh, our world. You had more snow up there in 51 years in the Lake Tahoe region, didn't you? We had a huge snowstorm. We had 12 feet near our cabin that I still haven't uh, quite successfully shoveled out. Yeah, I was wondering about that, if you were able to get up there to your cabin. Uh, sort of. Sort of, yeah. Have you been able to uh, get out and do some skiing up in the Lake Tahoe uh, not area? Not yet this season. I'm, I'm waiting for my, my kids to take the old man with them someday. Very nice. Well, we'll have to get together and uh, do a little skiing together. Yeah, look forward to it. So, Pat, well, 40 years ago, about 40 years ago, maybe 38, 40, somewhere around there, we'd done a lot of um, anti-communist uh, conferences with clergy and uh, just a lot of different people, students. Who would have thought, after 40 years, what do you think, have we seen a resurgence of communism and socialism in, in America today? What do you think about our situation today after 40 years of on the front lines talking about communism, Marxism? Well, I mean, back in the day when Ronald Reagan was president uh, and there was the real 
Cold War, if you will, between uh, the Soviet Union especially uh, and the U.S. China was a, a bit of a minor player then. That certainly has changed in significant ways uh, these days. Uh, it was it was fairly obvious to to most Americans, uh, not just conservative ones, that the Soviet Union was was a very real threat uh, to uh, you know America's way of life, but frankly to the world order and and to world peace for uh, those of us, and I think that includes everyone that certainly wanted to be a peaceful world. Um, you know the Soviet Union uh, uh, disappeared on on the weight of its own. Uh, fallibilities i mean a a system that that just didn't work you know like was said during the day they uh, uh they pretended to pay us and we pretended to work and as a result the whole economic system there just ultimately collapsed fast forward younger folks especially i think are more sympathetic to the the, the notion of of socialism and uh certainly you know, you have this discussion, I'm sure, all the time with your, your your participants. But, you know, a lot of America is far more socialized or certainly influenced by government policy as, as opposed to just free enterprise and entrepreneurship and all the things that some would argue have, have really been the backbone of America's prosperity and its freedoms. The, those things are, are somewhat dissipating. And China is really on the rise. I, I just wrote a column, you know, entitled that Big Brother's the real winner at the Chinese Olympics. And maybe the, the world is going to discover just how onerous, uh, you know, their their efforts to to monitor, censor and uh, and really take away uh, freedoms of athletes, not just Americans, but participants from around the globe. So maybe I think we're I think we're waking up to the uh, the long term threat that China poses which probably is a far more significant one than uh, even a reconstructed Russia under Putin. Even they're building up their uh, military, even at a faster pace than the U.S. is. Well, their Navy is is larger than the U.S. is now. And, uh, you know, in the South China Sea, they're creating these artificial islands and ports. Three of those ports they've created are as large or larger than Pearl Harbor. I found wow. that recently, which was pretty shocking. So uh, they're a serious player, and, be, and because uh, they're such a centralized uh, regime, they can uh, focus uh, their efforts on building up their military and uh, their development uh, support for regimes and, and nations and infrastructure around the world. I mean, they're, uh, they're paying it forward uh, in, in terms of their global aspirations. We're, we're kind of, you know fiddling around with our own problems domestically and not paying enough attention but that's that could change i suppose yeah and they had they're playing the long game too we we tend to be a little more short-sighted i guess you know they also launched that well i don't know if it's been confirmed but that hypersonic missile that uh, was recently tested right yeah quite serious and and north korea is uh has launched one allegedly as well, which would tell you that, uh, you know, China is is a lot closer to North Korea than than they lead us to uh, to think they, they greatly appreciate North Korea being a, a buffer between them and and uh, America's allies in, in Seoul and Tokyo and other places. So, yeah, but I thought we were going to talk about charter schools. I'm no I'm no uh, 
global expert on uh, communism, per se. Sure. But let's talk a little bit about charter schools, uh, Pat. I know that you've been retired from the executive director for the Charter School Association of Nevada. And uh, why don't you tell uh, our audience a little bit about what charter schools are for those that maybe don't know what they are, how they got started. Tell our audience just a little bit about what they are, how they differ from, say, the public schools. Well, uh, you know, first of all, and, and not everyone knows this, but charter schools, in fact, are public schools. Uh, they are funded by taxpayer dollars uh, or government uh, funding, uh, however you want to characterize uh, those dollars. Um, and, and so they're tuition-free public schools. They're unique. Outwardly, many of them would appear more like private schools with uniforms, sometimes with unique uh, sort of specialities, math and science, arts and culture, technical schools. Reno has one called ACE Charter that basically trains uh, high school students to get jobs in the mining industry as diesel mechanics, vocations, contractors. Uh, they build their own homes in order to help uh, support their their charter school, East Charter School in Reno. So they're 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 public schools, but they're unique, uh, and and they actually started by teachers. And you you saw an article that I I penned a few years back that they're actually begun by union teachers who uh, you know now stand in the way of them in in most mm. instances because number one charter schools are not unionized, uh, and that's one of the advent. Mm. You know, uh, and it's something that's advantageous sure. about them. The other unique thing about charter schools is that each of them have their own volunteer board of trustees or school board. So mm. they're not under a large school district like in Nevada, Las Vegas, the Clark County School District where Vegas is, has 325,000 students in their public school district, which makes it just a massive bureaucracy and uh, the results and the frustration level of parents and others, not only because of COVID, but even before, uh, are greatly heightened by the fact that it's just a huge bungling bureaucracy where each charter school has a board of directors, frequently very diverse folks, having parents, having teachers, having business people, having lawyers, having entrepreneurs and others serve voluntarily on the board and others are not they're not seeking political power or necessarily seen as a stepping stone, frequently gets their kids into charter schools because they have such long waiting lines. Now, having said that, they're not all perfect. Mm -hmm. They're not all successful. Uh, they're not a panacea for everything that ails public education, but they are a real public school tuition-free option that increasingly uh, many families are looking at Nevada, as I told you earlier, about 12% of students, public school students in the state are, are currently enrolled in uh, public charter schools, numerous others in, of course, private parochial schools, religious-based schools, and, and secular-based private schools. Also a big movement uh, these days is something called the micro-schools that really grew out of the pandemic where parents were frustrated that kids were uh, having to just go to school endlessly online hmm. which the virtual schools and there's some virtual charter schools there's a big network of them in ohio where you're from 
but they aren't always successful because for, for a, a student to be successful in an online education, they have to have real support of a parent, a coach, a grandparent, you know, left to their own devices. They don't do very well. But again, charter schools are just a, a, a one more option, but parents are looking increasingly for them. And it's been said that, uh, you know, education is the civil rights issue, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, of our day because uh, and and minority families i think appreciate this in ways that uh, that other americans don't that education is really the uh the key to their escaping poverty opening opportunity and you know leading to a more successful life which is of course what we all want in america so uh, what happened with the uh, public schools to the point where we're seeing uh, these alternatives that have risen out of necessity because of well, what, think, fa- I, failed uh, failed education. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's primarily parents. You know, what, one of the things the pandemic did, and and from what I understand, the uh, the, the election of the uh, re- the new Republican governor in Virginia was in large part Youngkin. not merely because of the the controversies and the issues related to critical race theory although that that's real and significant but it was that that the teachers unions had more or less forced uh you know the schools into into virtual online education they basically uh, you know prevented kids from attending in person which we've subsequently learned is not anywhere near as dangerous and and the other side of that the outcomes have been that it's been just devastating to the social and emotional well-being of students Mm. but a lot of parents started to discover even when their kids were online some of the kind of nonsense that was being taught yeah that's right and and the fact the fact that 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 their kids were you know not being in school so they looked for options but charter schools have been growing before the pandemic Hit, oh yeah so, they've been around what about more. maybe 20 what maybe 25 30 years 20 right? to 30 like years yeah, yeah I, depending and and as they say not all of them are perfect mm-hmm. um you know parents it, it's school choice parents can explore along with their their students if if it's a good fit for them if it's not they can look elsewhere uh, that's what school choice means and those are probably as important decisions as any families make is is how well their uh, their offsprings can be educated sure and how do the uh, how do the teachers unions feel about these uh, charter schools uh they they basically oppose them especially the big national nea national education association and why, on why do they why do they oppose them well uh no, number one they're they're taking students away from the district the, the large state public schools uh, so and money follows kids you know charter schools get the per the same at least on paper in most instances the same uh, per pupil funding that uh, the district schools. so it's ultimately they're losing people and they're losing money and the third caveat is is that charter schools don't unionize you know teachers can be hired and fired at will by principals mm. and school boards and mm. local school boards for the charter so there there's not the safe sort of uh, protective umbrella of the union 
that uh, you know opposes all kinds of reforms, including merit pay and trying to reward successful teachers who take on difficult tasks. The unions try to protect everyone, and and the argument is the unions are more about adults, meaning their teachers and administrators, than they are about the kids. So they have they have been very opposed to charter schools for those two reasons: money and people. So Go the uh, charter schools they can collect. Um money from the government is there they do. a mechanism well, they are to do that funded. that's why they're public schools so you know there are some restrictions on them i mean you have to comply with statewide testing requirements and, and so on and so forth so you know they're, they're they're not since they receive money uh public dollars then then they are they are beholding to certain federal and state statutes in that sense, but there's a lot more flexibility, a lot more freedom uh, with curriculum. Uh, you know, in, in Nevada, for example, there we have a very a five star, meaning a top rated uh, charter school in Fallon, Nevada. You'll recall because you lived here. It's a, a rural part where it so happens the Navy's top gun school is out in the middle of That's the right. desert, not That's San right. Diego anymore. It's out there because they can blow up the desert more easily. And um, but there's a charter school there, and they have gone to a four day week, uh, ten hour days instead of a five day. Hmm. And then on Fridays they reserve that for creative field trips and educational field trips. For, for kids and so they've been innovative and and even the uh, the commander of the top gun school an admiral came to a meeting with uh, our, our democrat governor here who who's not all that supportive of charter schools and supported teachers unions efforts to put a moratorium on charter schools and they failed mightily in nevada because parents really uh, voiced their opposition to that but the the commander came and and told others and the governor that he delayed his own retirement for two years because he wanted his kids to stay in that school and be uh, a part of it. The Nellis Air Force Base, huge one in Las Vegas, just gave land to uh, the Coral Academy of Math and Science, a a well-established charter school here. And um, they were able to build a school right on the military base, which is a huge one for military families and other kids. The other thing is you're not Charter schools can be open beyond just the district zoning. So your local public school means, you know, if you live on the south side of Toledo or whatever, you go to this public school, the north side, you go to that one. Charter schools are not, they're not restricted to uh, geographic location. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Students can enroll there on a first come, first serve basis. And they even have done more weighted lotteries now because there are lotteries to get into them that, that have given some advantages to uh, students from lower socioeconomical backgrounds and things so that they have more a, a better chance of getting into the charter schools i think that's a good well it sounds like a, an idea whose time has come with um, what we've been hearing about the public schools in general just over the last few years with the critical race theory and the transgenderism and all the things that were happening over in Loudoun County, Virginia, this last year. So who uh, who watches over their their regulation or yeah. how they well, grade them, you know, or how do they determine well, whether that's, they're... That's a good question. As I say, they, they are state-sponsored public schools or city-sponsored. Uh, some cities are now sponsored. Las Vegas just decided to start chartering 
their own schools contracting. But there is a charter in Nevada, and probably most states, there's a charter school authority that, um, you know, the head of it is appointed by the governor and, and has a board that oversees, you know, makes recommendations. Uh, you know, a charter means you have to you 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 have to come forward with a proposal and and usually they're pretty in depth because, I mean, if you're going to be getting millions of dollars, you know, if you have, say, 400 students and students typically get, say, 10,000 uh, dollars per pupil that's a lot of money and so sure there does need to be regulation and oversight there needs to be standards not all charter schools are approved sometimes they have to go back to the well and get a better board uh, get a financing plan one of the things charter schools don't get that public schools typically do district schools is they don't get money for facilities or for busing Okay. Transportation. So they have to take out of their operating monies ways to either finance the building of a school or start in the back of an old uh, Kmart mm. or a church or wherever and then eventually grow. Same with they, they don't they don't get the busing that public school kids us. But the other side of that is means parents have who send their kiddos to charter schools have to be committed enough to, to find a way to get their kids to school. And and so kind of like private schools, you, you get parents that are more committed and more engaged, uh, in, you know, in the hope for success for their kids. So if the if the government's involved in some kind of regulation, do we run do they run into the same kind of issues that we're seeing right now with uh, the critical race theory, the justice, the equity, the transgenderism, the whole wokeism type things well, that are turning parents off right a, now now to a County. degree to a degree but not to the same degree to it, you know if the state in your case ohio or mine nevada if they pass a certain state law requiring there to be gender neutral bathrooms or something then uh to the best of their abilities charters have to try to comply with that on the other hand, because they have their own school board and they can set their own policies, uh, they can mitigate a, a lot of those onerous things. And if you take critical race theory or, or certain you know, curriculums that a, a lot of traditional uh, American families might object to, th those certainly can, th th those can either be mitigated modified or, or or not selected by a, a charter school board they have a lot more flexible flexibility with curriculums so for example but but here's you know when you get freedom you have to let it go both ways mm -hmm. uh, hillsdale college who i'm sure many of your yeah. uh you know your Michigan. listeners uh, appreciate and and uh, so on and so forth they have they have a a a number of charter schools around the country they're they're called freedom academies and they're based after you know they're they're they help provide the curriculum and a lot of it's based on the the, the, the thoughts of the founding fathers and and others you know the constitution and so on and so forth so you have you have hillsdale college based charter schools on the other hand you you have a group of schools one called democracy prep um, that started in East Harlem, and I visited their schools, and they did a great job with their kids. And they typically are in inner cities in Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York, Las Vegas. 
uh, and they tend to uh, cater to minority students, and they might be, and, and there was one case in Nevada at Democracy Prep where one parent who happened to be white and her the husband black and the child looked more white than black, and, and it was a, it's a multiracial school, but primarily African-American kids. She really took issue at the way they were approaching the whole critical race theory because they were kind of adopting it in that charter school. Hmm. But again, that's an individual school started with parents and like-minded people and individuals. So you, you might have on one side Hillsdale College and the other side a kind of liberal charter, charter school. But, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you don't want to send your kids to the more liberal-leaning one, then help start a, a Hillsdale College one. Well, we don't live in a cancel culture society anyway, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so well, that's good to know. I think that's an important part of um, that freedom to choose when it comes to our education. Right. And I like that idea with the charter schools. What other uh, issues do you see that people should uh, know about, Pat, That about charter schools that uh, would be important for them to know? Well, um, I, I mean, I, the bigger issue is, of course, school choice. And, and charter schools are, you know, one of the arrows in that quiver. But um, you have, uh, of course, private schools. You have homeschooling, which uh, especially because of the pandemic, a number of parents have turned to that. And, and there is more and more curriculum available. You have this new thing called micro schools. And again, that that, you know, a lot of times reforms, good comes out of bad, right? You right. know, the pandemic locked everything down, but freedom finds a way. And parents, mm. I, my own daughter, who happens to be a, a school counselor in Atlanta, but she sent her kids to a little micro school or pod school, they were called, where a bunch of parents got together and said, well, we don't like our kids sitting in front of, you know, a seven-year-old trying to sit in front of a computer seven hours a day. Uh, you know, it's not working. So they got together, pooled their resources, seven or eight moms in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. hired uh, a part-time teacher or a, a retired teacher, and, and started their own little miniature classrooms where parents were involved, where, you know, they had a qualified teacher. So, so th those are springing up, you know, along with homeschooling and charter schools. And even the Catholic Church has started opening, and I don't say maybe other churches are doing it, but the Catholics, for example, have started, they opened a, a, a Catholic school, a parochial school in Vegas that's very inexpensive, that, that's not as hmm. uh, a private school, but not, they don't get public dollars, but not as expensive as, as, as a parish or diocese. Traditional Catholic. Yeah. They got the business community behind it. And, and uh, it was a high school, so they got a lot of businesses to support where the kids will be doing job shadowing and mentoring and entrepreneur-type opportunities. So the businesses are supporting this little private school and helping with vocational learning and career technical, you know, which is something we need to do a lot more of, right? Ohio certainly is a big industrial state. A lot of money have made great livings building car parts in your state yes more of that and and uh you know not just the the traditional four-year route to college or something yeah and ohio just uh, landed a big microchip deal here uh, 
right. Governor DeWine with a $20 billion investment for yeah. microchips. Those micro uh, schools, I, I heard a friend of mine had uh, told me a little bit about that, where they pooled their, their family members together. Do those have uh, any type of regulations, too? Is there anything that they have to report to when it comes to the the homeschooling versus you know, charter since they're not receiving they're not receiving any funding right if they yeah now if if that is a movement i'm not direct i don't know as much about it as as some would as long as they're not receiving public dollars then i i, I assume those parents are just in, a, in effect taking their kids out of a district school and homeschooling them and then individually putting together these uh, efforts or programs to support a teacher so that it's not just the parents doing it. So now if that if that movement grows and they want to start getting public dollars, then there will be strings attached. I mean, that's the reality. On the other hand, uh, you know, the public, when it cares enough, can, can actually change those public policies and those strings, like was done in Virginia. And I, and I dare say, uh, the whole school choice issue is going to be huge throughout the country in the 2022 election. Definitely. A lot more of that. Yeah, for sure. 2022 is going to be a very interesting election cycle. So, Pat, uh, recently with the uh, Loudoun County elections with uh, Governor Yunkin and the uproar from the parents in the field about masks and vaccine mandates and just some of the things that were uncovered, sexually explicit material, educational material uh, in schools, and the fact that parents came to the school board meetings, they were outraged, and they could really begin to see how really radical the school boards were. And many of these parents are becoming activists and running for school boards positions in their local communities how how much how important is that for for parents to be involved in education and even to the point of running for school board elected positions i think it's i think it's very very important and and again on the statewide level you 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 saw the reaction to uh the the top down uh uh influence of unions in virginia that that you know, closed schools uh, against the wishes of parents and students, and and frankly against the uh, the, the the best outcomes for kids. So you, you you see you saw that kind of reaction in in the election of a, a governor who 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 ran and succeeded in running because he said I'm going to take schools in a different direction. So on on a more local level, uh, school boards are are extremely important, and you know a lot of times people have just sort of let whoever run and um it, well it doesn't take a lot of money but teachers unions historically have, have given money to candidates who would be favorable to their policies and they've ended up on school boards so they've been more controlled because you know school boards they they hire superintendents for the district they indirectly hire or fire principals uh they make budget decisions they don't necessarily uh create the curriculum but they frequently have to approve it so all those things parents 
you know, can make a big difference about it. I, I would say this, that I think parents that want to run for school, they really need to do their homework. They can't just be a single issue person. They, they have to look at the, the whole picture and they have to be willing to work with people. If it's always an us against them thing, mm. uh, then, you know, you just get, you know, the pendulum swings and, and, and we go nowhere because the two sides are fighting so much. So, yeah, I think traditional minded parents should who are qualified or business people or or grandparents or whomever. Uh, should seriously consider school boards. I, I was on the state school board uh, in Nevada, and uh, you know th those things are very, very important for parents because they 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 do make policy decisions definitely. And beware too, because it can be a real rough and tumble uh, position, right? I mean, it's it's uh, not for the faint at heart. I would say no, it can be eight hour meetings and and very long and they're usually volunteer positions or paid minimally. You, you have to you have to really be prepared. But, you know, just on the local level, I mean, I mean, Ronald Reagan and, and others said, you know, the governments that govern the best are those that are closest to the people. So, you know, the, the more you you get involved in advisory boards, the city council, uh, planning commissions, school boards, whatever, you can you can have a real impact. And, um, you know, just my last column, uh, I, I do one, it's, it's entitled in the Reno Gazette Journal, I'm a Sunday columnist, it's called Memo from the Middle. And um, I just had this morning, what my latest article was just kind of on growth in Reno and how we're kind of struggling with it. Reno's growing so fast, which is good, but it presents all kinds of problems. But I quoted Ronald Reagan in it. And uh, he had a great quote where he said, you know, everybody wants to say that it's a battle between the right and the left and that we have to choose one side or the other. But he said to me, this is Reagan speaking, there is no real right and left there's only up and down. And then he mm. went on to say, we need to find ways that, that give us progress and, and uplift people and things like that. So, you know, a lot of people would just poo-paw what Ronald Reagan said, because he's an old die in the hard conservative. But I had, I had uh, a very liberal woman who, who is on the board of any number of things just retweeted, and the mayor of Reno, who happens to be a political independent, just retweeted, that uh, because she liked the quote, uh, notwithstanding that it was from a, a very conservative Republican. So I think on the local level, you know, people, are, they're looking for conversations. They're looking for solutions. They're looking to work with people, yeah, that have a different point of view, but we're not as different sometimes as we think we are. Yeah, that's we're right. Different. And people don't like, I think people are getting tired of, uh, you know, always fighting each other. I think they're looking yeah. for common ground. Yes, yes, or higher ground. Higher ground, it. yes. Yeah, that's what Reagan was kind of yeah. referring to. Higher ground, I like that better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Pat. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us on uh, on uh, this uh, episode of uh, Affirm America podcast. How can uh, how can people uh, find your your some of your writings? And do you have a website or some blog or something that? Uh, they can uh, link uh, no, it? No, I, I, I used to, when I was in the legislature, I wrote a, a daily blog called From Soup to Nuts, 
but I don't do that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Reno Gazette Journal, but if someone's not from Nevada, why would they care much about what somebody in Reno has to say? But uh, if, if any of your listeners are in Nevada, you know, that's online and, uh, you know, they have a digital version. I'm in every Sunday's paper. Okay. So, well, I'll, thanks, I'll link, I'll, yeah, I'll link, uh, I'll link over the, uh, the Gazette uh, web address in my uh, description box here on this episode of the podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I, I wish I could uh, spend time with you there in your cabin uh, near the fire. That looks good with that big storm in Ohio. Yeah. Well, I'd love to have you. It's, um, it's been a pretty mild winter, except for the last couple of days. We've we really got hammered here. So it's, uh, you know, it is February the 3rd. What do you expect here in the Midwest, right? Right. All right, Marcus, thank you. Yeah, Pat, thanks very much for joining us today on this episode of Firm America podcast. Again, if you haven't uh, subscribed to uh, our podcast yet, go to uh, firmamerica.com and you can uh, put your email address there. We'll send out a notification when each new episode comes out so until next time stay warm take care of yourself god bless you we do live in the greatest country on god's green earth and never forget we affirm the american idea i'm your host marquis vandemark until next time this is the affirm america podcast with your host marquis vandemark And let's never forget, America is great, and we affirm it.